together here in this space, we're going to uh, open up uh, the Word of God to the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. Uh, if you have uh, your phone Bibles, you can open those up. The words will also be on the screen as uh, we together hear God's Word offered to us through this gospel message. Mark 11, verse 12 and following. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone uh, to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from, it, from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your you, your sins as well. This is God's word offered to us, the people of God, in its reading and in its hearing. And together we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow for a word of prayer? Gracious God, what a gift it is to gather around your word. I pray, O oh God, that you would make yourself known to us in surprising and extraordinary ways through your word. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that would come know and understand your word and your will. Open our hearts that we would feel your power within us. Then I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would be instruments of grace in this world. We pray this as the people of God in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have, I have three, three students. Some of you know I have a, a third grader, a, a sophomore, and a senior. And especially with the teenagers, if you've ever been around teenagers, you, you know they speak a different language. I really don't. He, yeah, so my son just said no cap. What does that mean? Like, I, like serious. Yeah, so 
no lie. Thank you. So we, we have to have interpreters for students. It, it's, it, it's, it's crazy to hear all of the different words that they reappropriate and add additional meaning to. And, and there was a word about five or maybe eight years ago uh, that, that I was at, at first worried about because I had no clue what it meant. It sounded bad. FOMO. F FOMO. That doesn't sound good. Uh, and so I, 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 I thought I had missed a, a new cuss word or something, which uh, was, was a surprise to me because, like, I mean, I don't know Spanish and I don't know, you know, many other languages. But when you learn a foreign language, the first thing you learn is the cuss words, right? And so oh, that was just me. I'm sorry. So um, that was embarrassing. Re reframe. <laughs> start over. But... But whenever I learned that FOMO only meant fear of missing out, I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, okay. Because I know people who are absolutely 100% driven by this inter-FOMO, this fear of missing out, that, that anytime anything is going on, they yearn for, desire, need an invitation in. Because if they are not there, they are deeply concerned that they aren't going to have that experience. And I think that, that, that I'm freshly becoming uh, aware of what FOMO looks like for me because I have a senior. I've, I've never really been driven by that fear, but now that I have a senior, it seems like every, everything that's going on in my daughter's life, I just feel like I'm missing out. Uh, there's, there's this senior organization that you pay a bunch of money to to get a t-shirt. Okay, and the t-shirt is actually just a fundraising ploy. And if you wear the t-shirt, you can then go to senior activities like senior breakfast and senior picnics. And, 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 and I want the t-shirt. And so Lauren and I get online, boom, 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 boom. And I sign up to get the t-shirt. And, and, and then I find out that the senior picnic is in October and it's on a date that I'm going to be out of town. And I could feel like the sadness well up within me because I was going to miss out on this event. Now, it's not graduation. It's not prom. It's not homecoming. It's not even a football game. It's a picnic. But I don't want to miss anything this year. And so I'm newly acquainted with FOMO. <laughs> This is a moment that the online worshipers just can't. Someone's phone just gave them directions to Covenant and said, let's take I-45 south. You know? It, amen. Yeah, absolutely. That's the spirit leading. We better, there's something down there we need to go do something with, right? Wow. So, <laughs> I was at FOMO. Yeah, FOMO re reset. Here we are. So, here, here's the truth of the matter, though. If we would operate with that same sort of drive and intensity when it comes to what goes on in Scripture, God would be able to reveal so much more, infinitely more, than we see at first glance. 
And, and, and I, I think I, I failed to operate with that sort of intensity when it came to encountering the scripture until I went to Israel. Whenever I went to Israel and, 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 and I was there in Jerusalem and, and I could actually uh, see and witness the, the geography and the culture and the setting in which so much of Scripture took place, the, 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 the Bible was just opened up for me in a fresh new way. And I realized how much I had been missing out in when it came to God's Word. There's an example of that in today's passage. I, I totally missed it, and I don't think I could have gotten it unless I was there. And so in the future, whenever I take a trip to Israel, all of you can sign up and come with me so none of us will miss out on these sorts of things, but, but I'll do my best to break it down. So the Temple Mount sits south to north with, with the southern steps rising from the valley, and there's an intersection of two valleys that come there, and the city of David is down at the bottom of it, and it rises up to the southern steps in the Temple Mount. The Mount of Olives is here with Bethany to the, uh, to the east. And then out to the south is Bethlehem. And, and what took place uh, in uh, the late turn of, what do you call that, the turn of the century? Like just before zero, right? Uh, the turn from B.C. to C.E. You had uh, Herod in power as, uh, as a magistrate from Rome, and, and he wanted to wield that power and authority with evil, oppressive intent over the people of Israel uh, with, with, without any conscience. You remember the story of Herod when Jesus was born, and Herod just proclaims that he's going to kill babies uh, all over that region in order to try to get to Jesus, and there's echoes of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's oppression in Herod's rule, Right? Well, one of the things that Herod did was he wanted to bear witness to his power and might, uh, uh, particularly for people that were religious Jews that were coming out of the temple. And the, and the southern steps are the biggest anchor for ingress and egress to the temple. And so when he came out of the temple, he looked out on the horizon and he forged a plan. Eight miles south, there were two mountains on the horizon. Neither of those mountains strategically so, were any taller than the Temple Mount. And when they built the Temple Mount, that was intentional, that it would be the most substantial and highest presence on the horizon. Herod devised a plan, and he ended up uh, enlisting slave labor to tear one of the mountains down to level flat and put that mountain on top of the other mountain. So then that mountain was higher than the Temple Mount and on the horizon for all Jews to see. And then he put his fortress on top called the Herodian. Do y'all see what he did? When you leave the temple, when you exit the, 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 the presence and the worship of God, you see on the horizon from Herod's perspective, what true power looks like, he literally moved a mountain to proclaim his power over and above God's. So now when we come to this scripture, we come with a totally different framework, right? 
because that was in the cultural and social mindset of every hearer of Jesus' proclamation. The disciples that were there understood what Jesus was saying. When Jesus starts talking about moving mountains, he understands that it has been done, but it's been done for evil and oppression. And now when Jesus talks about moving mountains, he's talking in a whole different framework that good and light can reign and oppression can be torn down. And even cast into the sea. And when Jesus is talking about the sea, the closest sea in that vicinity is the Dead Sea, just to the southwest. And in the Dead Sea, there's such a high salt content that nothing can live. So if you cast something into the Dead Sea, it dies. And no longer has any power or authority. And when you understand this proximity that Jesus is exiting the southern steps and he sees that fig tree and Peter calls out, he's proclaiming that there is a fresh wind of power available for us in prayer to God in faith. So often we we miss out on that, but we we miss out on so much more. We, We probably even miss the the core principle that Jesus is teaching in this text because we get caught up with a couple of distractions that uh, deter us from understanding the direction and the directive that God is giving to us in his word. The, The first distraction, the first question that we raise is all around the fig tree. I mean, the fig tree there is cursed and it's withered and we wonder why the fig tree And we we feel bad for the fig tree. And we wonder where the vegetarian pita group was whenever Jesus cursed the fig tree. I mean, if only there was some protection for this fig tree. And and, and I love figs. Do you love figs? I mean, my grandmother made fig jam every year. She had had fig trees all across her back fence. And uh, all of my mom's brothers and all of their kids, we would all take pilgrimage to grandma's house. And grandma had all of our fig jam jars, glass jars with the, with the little screw top with the little cap lid on the inside, right? You, some of you know what I'm talking about. Grandma would have them all lined out for us and we would have fig jam on our toast for about a month and that was all it would last because uh, we would eat it all. It was so delicious. My mom took a graft from one of the fig trees in the backyard and planted it in her backyard and now we're starting to get some harvest of figs, boy, I tell you. So I love fig trees and I read the scripture and I see that Jesus Jesus sees this tree that's in full leaf and wonders if there's figs. It even says that Jesus is hungry. I get it. I'm hungry too when I see a fig tree. And Jesus then sees that there is no fruit and he curses it and it dies all the way to its root. And if we dwell there, if we sit with those questions, did Jesus know that there was no fruit? Why did Jesus curse the tree? Uh, what, what product or, or help was it? Wouldn't it be better for the fig tree to continue to bear fruit, to give food for those in need? Why? If we sit with those questions, we'll fail to see the power that God has for us in this scripture. And, and there are two specific answers to many of these questions that we could lean into. Either one of them lead us to the conclusion of power, The first is that, yes, Jesus knew. Jesus knew that there were no figs, but he needed to curse the fig tree in order to create the teaching to the disciples at the conclusion of this. 
that through that curse, he was able to bear witness for his disciples that the power of prayer is effective. Do you remember that? They come across the fig tree and and Peter sees it and he's like, wow, Jesus, look, it actually worked. And Jesus is like, I mean, I mean, I said it, right? Like I I spoke and, you know, you, you remember when you walked on water to me? Right, uh, like, like, remember whenever, like, like I, 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 I put mud on the blind man's eyes and and he washed it off and he could see. Right, remember when I I told the lame to 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 take his mat and to walk and and, and he was leaping like and and rejoicing and praising God. Like, remember these things I spoke. Of course it was so, but maybe, maybe Jesus did know, and it was all for the purpose of teaching the disciples, that the power of prayer is effective. Or maybe, or maybe this fig tree has a, a role to play in the story. You know, Jesus goes from the fig tree originally when he see there's, sees there's no fruit and he curses the tree. He then enters into the temple. And what does he do in the temple? He, he then uh, casts out the money changers and he tells all those who are selling that they could no longer buy or sell in this sacred space. And then he has a proclamation for them. He has a proclamation. He says, my house is a house of prayer. That there's something about this place that's set apart and distinctive and different, and y'all are making it something else. And, and, it's, and maybe it's to draw this parallel, this, this equal to the fig tree where it has all this leaf, all of this flower, and it looks like it would have something good to bear, but in fact, it's actually fruitless. And so maybe we're to hear the fig tree and to hear this teaching and to realize that whenever the temple or whenever our churches have all of the flower and none of the substance, it's worthless. And at our essence, we are to be a house of prayer. More on that in a second. So the fig tree can be a great distraction for us. uh, But if we lean in and focus on the core message, we can understand more of what God has for us there and we won't miss it. The second thing that we could could get fixated on is Jesus' teaching on prayer. And Jesus teaches uh, that, that, that if you pray, then, then you could say to the mountain, be thrown in the sea, and it will be so if you pray in faith and you believe. And so we begin to, to recall times that, that we have called upon the name of God to intervene and, to, and in intercession we ask God to, to make a way where there was otherwise no way. And in those prayers we have seen God move and we celebrate that and we, we, we wonder at that holy mystery. How is that possible? Thank you God for the way in which you've, you've raised the dead and broken things and shaken them back. Back to life through the breath and wind and power of your Holy Spirit. But we also all have prayers that we recall that were not answered. And we could sit there in pain with curiosity and questioning in our hearts, wondering, God, 
Why did you not answer? Where were you? Or maybe we, we wondered, did I not pray in faith? Was my prayer empty because my heart was still filled with bitterness or wrath towards my neighbor when God said to forgive? And we're wrapped up in all of these questions and curiosities and, and those questions actually become all too often a distraction from the core purpose of what Jesus is teaching. Now, we want to understand prayer more and more. I want all of us to understand prayer more and more. But, but prayer here, Jesus is teaching, is to be done in faith. So, so when we want to learn more about what it means to pray in faith, we could turn to Mark 11. But we also can understand the full corpus of Scripture and not allow the, those questions to become distractions because we could go to Matthew 26 as, as you can after worship. Go to Matthew 26 and see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and begin to learn what it means to pray in the will of God. Even Jesus prays in the will of God. Or we could turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and we could learn what it means to pray in the Spirit of God for our prayers to be one with the heart of God and for God's Spirit to move powerfully in the midst of our prayers. See, prayer is so much more than just one one scripture. And so we could open up God's Word and grasp the, 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 the power that is there for us. But let's not let it distract us from the core teaching that Jesus has for us in these three stories of cursing the fig tree, of clearing out the temple, and then teaching on prayer. All of that is tied together with one crucial thread. A core function of the church is prayer. Let me repeat that. A core function of the church is always, is now, and will be forevermore prayer. And all too often we find ourselves wondering and questioning or moving about ignoring that core function, but not today. We're going to lean in together because our world is crying out. Creation itself is crying out for the people of God to call on the name of the one who is able and to pray. To pray like never before. To pray like the world depends on it because it does. And so we, we, we hear God's call to prayer and we think about all that's going on in Haiti right now. And our hearts are broken open. Many of you know that Covenant has a historical relationship with ministry in Haiti that we haven't been able to continue in because of the revolution that has been ongoing that led to the assassination of their president that has led to, to gang revolt in the streets and then an earthquake 7.2 hits Lakai uh, in, in Haiti and, and kills over 1,900 people leaving the whole countryside vulnerable 
trouble so that when uh, hurricanes and tropical storms come through, there are floods that, that are debilitating lives in Haiti and our hearts break open and we cry out in prayer. And we think together about what's taking place in Afghanistan over the last days. And we cry out in prayer. For all of those who still are in Afghanistan, Americans and, and civil servants from across the world who have yet to, been, yet to be evacuated, we pray for their safety and we have concern for their lives. And we understand the mission to which they went to serve and the questions that then are wrestling through our minds and their minds together. We think about all those who served uh, in Afghanistan and now are struggling with the why and the how of what's taking place there. And we think about the, the, the civil liberties and, and the safety of the Afghan people and what the relationship between the new Taliban government and the Afghan people will be and how, how women and children will be cared for in this space. And our hearts break open and we cry out. And we think about all that's taken place in the last weeks as we've gotten to what, like the, the, the fourth wave of COVID. It seems like it's been wave upon wave and the months have gone by. And now with Delta, we, we see children and those who are vaccinated uh, contracting COVID. We see hospitals that are full, ICUs that they're having to borrow beds in order to accommodate. And we, we wonder how can this be? Uh, I thought we were moving through or past and yet God is, is, is still moving. And so how do we cry out in prayer to God in faith, knowing that God is able and ask for a movement of protection and healing to not just come across this community or this land, but around the, around the world that there would be healing from COVID around the world. But do you know what? We're, we're not only called to hear about the power of prayer or to be confronted with, with our brokenheartedness around the needs of the world, we as a church are called to live into our core function as a people of prayer today. We're not just going to preach it, we're going to practice it. Here in this space this morning, in your homes and in this sanctuary, we're going to pray. So I'm going to invite the band to come forward and they're going to, they're going to lead some instrumental music. But, but here's what's going to happen. I'm going to... I'm going to open up the prayer, and I've invited three lay leaders from the church, three prayer warriors and servants of the Lord God Almighty. I've invited them to come forward, and each of them are going to pray over one of those three areas of prayer for Haiti, for Afghanistan, for COVID. And, and after each of them pray, there's going to be some broken open space of silence so that you can can encounter God to call upon his name and in your own heart and your own mind pray to God in prayer we the church are going to pray and so I want you to to know that 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 whatever posture of prayer you feel most comfortable with if you want to come to the to the kneeler and pray in this time at the kneeler you could join me there if you want to stand if that's how you're comfortable praying I invite you to do that if you want to open your hands or extend your arms I want you to do that if you want to bow your head I want you to do that in this time the church is going to live into our core function as a people of prayer let's bow together at this time
Lord, we come to you. We bow before you. We ask, oh God, that you would move in this space. We, we bow before you, not, not because we're able, but because we know you're able and we're humbled uh, that, that we could encounter you. How great is it, oh God, that we could talk with you and meet with you, that you're the God of the universe and you're my God, you're our God. And so we talk to you as children talk with their father. Jesus, we come to you as friends. And our hearts come as brothers and sisters to pour out our prayers before you. And we pray them in faith as we're instructed to do and as we're able to do because of the work you did in Jesus on the cross and in our lives. So we come before you in faith in the power of the Spirit, lifting up these prayers together as your people. Father, you called the people of covenant to Haiti in 2013, and you placed a burden on our hearts to help our Haitian brothers and sisters. We fell in love with Pastor Gersey and the sweet orphans in the community of Gonaives where we served. Father, we are broken for all that they are enduring today. We cry out to you for this hurting nation and its people. Together, we lift prayers for the country of Haiti. On June the 5th, Pastor Gersey's nephew Peterson and our friend from our mission trips was killed when gangs went into the Port-au-Prince police station where he worked and shot everyone inside. On July 7th, mercenaries assassinated Jovenel Moise, the president of Haiti, throwing an already chaotic nation into a state of political crisis and unrest. On August 14th, a devastating 7.2 magnitude earthquake centered in Lakai killing over 1,900 people and injuring and displacing thousands more. A mere few days later, Tropical Storm Grace dumped massive amounts of rain, causing flooding and triggering mudslides over the already beleaguered nation. And because Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, they are also struggling with medical shortages and abysmal health care, leading them into one of the worst outbreaks of COVID-19. Lord, their pain is immeasurable, and it keeps coming in wave after wave, seemingly without end. The people of Haiti have endured so much, and amid such need, we call upon you, O oh God, the ultimate healer. We pray for your comforting arms to hold Gersey and Peterson's families during their time of mourning. Please take care of the orphans at Salem Orphanage that we love so much, as well as our dear friends in the Bouc Vincent community in Gonaives. We ask you to please bring peace, protection, and stability to Haiti. Help raise up godly leaders to deal with their ongoing turbulent political times and the gang violence. Please grant the people of Haiti your strength to deal with all the natural disasters that are occurring in their beautiful homeland. And give them hope to persevere and 
bless their efforts to restore, rebuild, and improve their lives. We especially pray for a revival to cast out the evil that has been at work through the practice of voodoo. As our Haitian neighbors continue to experience fear, sadness, and uncertainty, we pray that they remain focused on you. Now in the silence of our hearts, but connected together in spirit, we offer our own silent prayers at this time. Brothers and sisters, join me in prayer for Afghanistan. Father God, you're the creator of the universe. You're Lord over all the nations. We just raise our hearts that are broken and anxious to you this morning for that nation of Afghanistan. Lord, first of all, forgive us as a nation for thinking that we could achieve our own safety and security by transforming that country into our image. Lord, we know better. We know that a nation that is safe and blessed is one in which the individuals in that nation know that they were uniquely created in your image, and that you love them, and that you've sent your son to reconcile them to you. Lord, we know that. Forgive us for not doing that as a nation. But Lord, many of your people who do know that have gone to Afghanistan, and they're still there now. Teachers, administrators, program managers, those were their day jobs. But they're your church. They're building your church in Afghanistan. And now we fear greatly for them as they're out by themselves in the midst of that country, uh, unable to gather in safety and to um, get out of the country if that's what they want to do. Lord, we just lift those faithful saints up to you now. Lord, we ask that you will make yourself personally known to each one of them now, moment by moment. You are their shepherd. They won't want anything. Lord, even though they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with them. They don't need to fear the evil that is surrounding them. Lord, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort, but they protect. They turn away evil. We ask you to do that for them, Lord. And we ask you to work miracles through their lives. Lord, you say that you even set tables, banquets uh, for them in the presence of their enemies. Lord, we ask that you just amaze 
those who hate them and wish them harm to be astounded by what they see and your work through them. And Lord, we ask that you, you just give each one the vision of how they can escape or how they can remain faithfully present in the work that, that you have given them to do there. And Lord, we know many of our friends and relatives and neighbors have served in Afghanistan. We know families that have lost uh, their young children that served in Afghanistan and did not come home. And so many have come back wounded in uh, body and spirit and mind. And many feel like the sacrifice that they offered up best years of their young lives, they offer that sacrifice up seemingly in vain. Lord, we just ask you to be present in their lives, Lord. Encourage them. Give them hope. And Lord, we ask you to open our eyes. Help us to see them, to know where they are. Make us instruments of peace in their lives. Give us the witness you've given your servants in Afghanistan that whatever has been true in your life up until now, how badly you've been broken, there's new life in Jesus. So Lord, we're anxious this morning. We feel fear, but Lord, you tell us in your word not to be anxious about anything, but rather with thankful hearts by prayer and petition to make our request known to you. Lord, did you promise if we'll do that, that your peace, which is beyond all our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So Lord, it's in that spirit that we now lift up our prayers and petition for Afghanistan. this space right here. Send your Holy Spirit. Invade this space. Come into our lungs. We are so weary. We are so heartbroken. 
as we crawl to your feet and we crawl up in your lap, we confess. Instead of turning our eyes to the the gospel news, the good news, we, we reach for our phones, we reach for the for outside news, outside chatter. We are so sorry. The cataracts have grown thicker. Our hearts have grown crust over them. We confess we are so sorry. And as I'm sitting there asking, asking God today for a word to use me, right there in Mark, in the scripture in 2016 is written in my handwriting, prayer breaks down barriers. I thank you for that word today. You are not a God of fear. You said, fear not, trust in me, lean into me. And so today, as we confess, we ask for your Holy Spirit to invade every space. We lift up Scott and Joe and Chris and Phil. These are just the men that I know on respirators right now. Breathe life into their lungs. Breathe life into the lungs of all those hurting so desperately. I lift up the nurses and the doctors and all the health care. They are weary, they are weak, and they are broken. Give them a supernatural strength. A supernatural strength to move forward, to do your work. Let their hands be your hands guide them in every way. Let their words speak kindness and comfort to the families and to the patients. Let them not grow weary while doing this good. We lift up our government and our leaders. Let them submit to you, to your plan. Your plan is perfect. Let us step out of our own way our eyes up on you. Climb up on top of that God ladder and look down what you are doing and what you want us to do. We lift up Pastor Jason, Pastor Zach, Pastor Dario, and all those in leadership in the churches. That they when they see Christians, they will see love. They will not see right or left. They will see love. God, that they will see your love. That we can agree to disagree but we can agree to love. We can love deeply and richly, unconditionally, selflessly. It's by the power in you, God, that we can do this. We love you so much. We thank you. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for the gift of prayer that it breaks down barriers. And so today is a new day, and I just ask for you to breathe your spirit into every person here. Every church service that's going on, every person in our community, in our state, and in our world. And now in the deep quiet of our heart, even though we may never have prayed before, 
in the deep quiet of our heart, we cry out to you, Papa, and we lift up these prayers. We love you so much. prayers because you are able because in faith we approach your heavenly throne with the power of the Holy Spirit in us we pray that your will would be done that you would light up every dark corner of this world that you would raise the dead to life that you would break the chain and the yoke that bonds us to oppression. So we ask, Almighty God, trusting in your promises to move, to heal, to restore. With confidence, as children of the Most High God, we call upon the name of the one able to move mountains, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And together, the people of God pray this together by affirming and saying, 